Are you looking for a little escape? Want to see something? This is sick! You don't see every day. Are you ready for a whole new Hulk Hogan? Hulk Hogan is ripped. To the world, he's a hero. But to this man, he's history. Zeus. Stand back. Way back. Get ready for the battle no ropes can hold. No ring. No referee. No rules. Gentlemen, it's time. No holds barred. This is an unprecedented display of strength and determination. Hello and welcome to a special episode of Bagar Almighty! Bagar Almighty! Bagar Almighty! Wrestling Review, the show where we crack open some lovely cans. Oh yes. Uh, I don't even need to open this can, I'm gonna crack it. And talk about pro wrestling of yesteryear, one pay-per-view at a time. As always, my name is Graham, and I am joined by my own pair of jock asses. <laughs> Dave. Hello there. And Derm. How are you? Is alright? Not too bad at all. Yeah. On this fine Saturday evening. Yes. However you want to call it. It's it's nice. It's nice. It's yeah, been yeah, raining, yeah, but yeah. it's still bright. Yeah, know? it's lovely. We're in we're in Derm is hosting now in his new home. In our last episode we said you were moving and here you are. Here I am now. Yeah, it's nice. Thanks. Continuity. Yeah, continuity. <laughs> <laughs> so I said at the start there it was a special episode. We are both reviewing the special pay-per-view event that the WWF broadcast at the end of 1989, which was their summer movie, No Holds Barred, starring Hulk Hogan and Tony Lister, followed by a pre-taped match. Uh, But before we get on to that, an unfortunate side effect of covering pro wrestling, especially all pro wrestling, is Mm -hmm. the, well, not all the cases, but the amount of deaths, premature deaths in some cases. Too many. So... Since we last recorded, there was the deaths of Vader, Nikolai Volkov, Brian Lawler, a.k.a. Grandmaster Sexay, and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Do you want to give a few little thoughts on some of them, or all of them, or whatever you kind of... I feel like, memories possibly I feel whatever? like it's been the 2017 of wrestling. Oh, yeah. Of all, yeah. Everyone died, remember? Oh, yeah. That was not good. No. Oh. No. And uh, a lot of good talents gone before their time. Yeah. Um, I think personally the one that like as a wrestler that I would be the most familiar with and would have seen the most of is probably Vader right uh, so I'd say that was the one that affected me the most and yeah Jim and I heard as well but yeah, yeah. Uh, like I suppose because Vader was more of a main inventor that's the one that stands out to me but obviously they're all very sad in yeah. their own way yeah Brian Lawler especially I think I think he should deserve a little bit of a Kind of, you know, the way he died. The way he died is just yeah. absolutely. I, mean, I know he was trouble doing. Now look, the other lad, like I mean, 
Janoid Hart was only 63, which is young. Heart attack, though, right? Um, no, a seizure. But oh, I was it a seizure? I think it was to do it. He was suffering from early Alzheimer's. Oh, God. Because he just got over so many of his issues yeah, in recent um, times. And Vader, then I believe, was 63 as well, but, like, the size of him. Yeah. No, I'm not... Sorry, that sounds like I'm blaming him. Or I'm no, no. But what I'm trying to say is, like, kind of, you know, Brian Lawler hadn't even reached his 50s. Like he wasn't, hadn't even reached his, like, lifetime prime you know what yeah, i mean yeah as a man who like you know you go to your life and like, yeah. like still very young yeah you know what i mean yeah like i mean it would be very cross of me to lie and say that we've been very um what's the word i'm looking for complimentary of nikolai volkov's work on the podcast no, absolutely not, but. but well he wasn't a very great in-ring worker he knew how to draw heat by singing the national anthem and by all records that I've seen, he seemed to be a very, very lovely person. Everything yeah. I've seen as well. Yeah, yeah he seemed to just be a genuinely thing. just lovely human being. And you know what? He's out there like, you know, there was a guy, like, you know, he was big back then and he had done all that stuff during the 80s and 90s and whatever else. Yeah. You know, it, like for us, even just the three people here, he's out there creating another set of memories as a, as a kind of... Like I think it's it's um, very interesting the way that you know back then Nikolai Volkov would have been a pretty kind of you know big professional wrestler for his time you know and especially around the time that we were watching a couple of years ago in the early eighties and stuff um, and I think it's 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 great the way you can come back and the three of us here are watching this stuff and they've yeah. kind of you know we know who Nikolai Volkov like, I mean, is I, now I, 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 and he I, still captured our hearts he wasn't the best worker no. in the world but like like I'd heard of him. Vader's a kind of strange one for me. Vader is a strange one for me as well. I was never a massive fan of him. I was a fan. If I wanted him to die or anything. I wasn't exposed to him a lot. Like I saw him a bit in the WWF. I only saw him in WCW, which was his North American kind of best work in in kind of videotapes I'd rented. But I I obviously didn't see that stuff in chronological order or anything. But one thing I do remember is um, when Kane first came in in 97... And he was still being booked as like the Michael Myers type, like you know the the monster, Silent yeah, yeah like, or, like undefeatable, invulnerable. And uh, he had a brief feud with Vader. And I remember on a pay per view, they had a mask versus mask match. And I was I was young enough to believe that like he could lose his mask. And obviously, I didn't watch the pay per views live because I was a kid in school and they were on Sundays. But you know, you'd find out from the teletext the next day or something, or go to your mates, Gafu taped it. But uh, it was like, I was thinking, maybe Kane will lose mass and we get to see his born face and all this blah, blah, blah. But I was, wasn't too young enough to realise you can still see Vader's face anyway. Even yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like lines going across I was just like, it. If he loses that, he's just going to look exactly the same. That's kind of my only WF memory of him, but I thought it was quite funny. We've lauded Jim Neidhart on this podcast. Absolutely. Like Someone who I knew was around. The shoulder blocks. I didn't know how good he was until I, we started Same. this. And I was like, yeah. fuck yeah. I knew exactly who he was. Yeah. And I knew like what he was as a member of the Heart Foundation and all. Like, But yeah. never have I experienced him the way that we've experienced him here on this show. Like, yeah. you know. Fucking unreal. Like, Absolutely. shot stuff. And the, ah. the, Fantastic. Paving the way. Paving the, paving the way, way for tag team wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You could say the same thing about um, Brian Lauder to a certain extent as well, right? Brian Lauder, it's a comedy act that got over. Probably got over. Unbelievably over. Probably got over more than it should have. Yeah, more than it had any right to. Any right to, yeah. Comedy comedy in wrestling generally has a very short shelf life. Yeah, definitely. Because people are like, the joke isn't funny anymore. 
I guess you know. they, they just it was just two two lads who were I remember them I remember them as too much as heels before they turned and you know they were they had this uh, the classic pseudo gay relationship like they'd hug or you know they'd pat each other on the bone that the heels would always do and everybody would boo and be like oh they're gay <laughs> what, what would they do? Oh. <laughs> you know, it's stupid. It's stupid, but it works. They probably need to go to that bar across the road. Oh, yeah. Which bar across the road? It was a reference. No oh, bar reference. There's none. Uh, no. Oh, I know. Yeah, ah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. That kind of, yeah, it went over yeah. my head there for a second. I know exactly what you're talking about now. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll get on to that one. <laughs> and then they just came, had this thing where they were. Two absolute rapping one like Grandmaster Sex A. The fact they put the A in there, yeah, that was cool. And they just they had a good time with it. And yeah, it was, I don't know about you guys, yeah. but I, whatever about too much was it? Is that too yeah. much? Yeah, I, I remember too cool. Like when I was into wrestling as a kid, yeah. and they were a fucking business. Like I had people when he died, I had people in work who know I'm into wrestling, and they've no interest in wrestling now. But they would have back then, and they come up, oh, gee, Grandmaster Sex A died. It's like. Uh, they know who he is even though they not, probably not watched wrestling yeah, in yeah. 15 14 yeah. whatever years like it's kind of like that's mad he was like you know all these people were that famous back then yeah everyone was famous top yeah. to bottom like, yeah yeah exactly you, know you, I mean? you can you can talk to people about that kind of stuff now they wouldn't have a clue about like, any sort of wrestler nowadays be, back then be, but in 20 years someone who's into wrestling now is not going to be in work well hopefully they won't for the reasons being but like and their mate isn't going to come up and go oh, did you hear Bo Dallas do it <laughs> no 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 definitely not like hopefully Bo Dallas isn't dead in 20 years that's what I meant but I'm saying in the sense of his le- the level of fame that the yeah, whole yeah. top to bottom jobber to fucking world champion they all were like superstars you could probably say to someone our age now who isn't into wrestling anymore who was back then mm. you could say remember S.A. Rios They'd be like, oh, yeah, fucking yeah, definitely Jesus. remember S.A. Rios. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What we want to say is, they're all sound. Yeah. Wrestling's, well, wrestling's deadly. You know, wrestling is deadly. <laughs> they all, essentially, to a certain extent, one greater than the other. They gave yeah. their life for it. To, At least one or two. Like, know, to a they've all, in some way, even to a small extent, they've all, what's the word I'm looking for not influence but like meant something to us as wrestling fans yeah do you know what I mean yeah agreed yeah. they all contributed yes. something valuable Love, great way of putting it John. that's beautiful thanks that's beautiful here 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 now we'll be getting onto a lot less serious <laughs> yeah because okay. this, this is where the fun really happens yeah. it's no holds barred <laughs> the match the movie <laughs> <laughs> So this was broadcast on December 27th, 1989, which was a Wednesday. Um, sounds bad, but like it's December 27th, so people might be off work and that sort of lark, you know. Being, being what, what year, sorry? 1989. Oh, my third birthday. Ooh, look at you, Mr. Fucking... Birthday. 
Happy birthday, dear. And what a gift I got. What a gift. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we opened the show with me and Gene Oakland, apparently in the arena for the match portion, but it's blatantly a green screen behind him. He sends us down to Tony Schiavone, who is at ringside, as the ring crew are putting together the steel cage. And uh, Tony kind of briefly goes over the rules and he puts over the match. The mood at ringside is like nothing I've ever felt before. You know, you can literally feel the tension at each and every passing moment. Now behind me, the process of constructing this 15 foot high steel cage. But you know, it's ironic because this match has nothing to do with construction. It has a lot to do with destruction. Now unfortunately, that is exactly what is going to happen here. Now there will be a referee involved but he will be here merely to judge if one of the superstar's shoulders hits the canvas for a free count or to verify whether a man escapes the cage legally. I thought he did a really good job. And not only does he go over the rules and put over the match, he fucking did it poetically. Yeah. He really, <laughs> no, he did. He really, like, he put it over. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, if every, if every single, like, you know, build-up for a match from some sort of announcer could be like that, yeah. boom. The best I've ever seen Man. Tony Schiavone. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, he did a really good job. Then we head back to Mean Gene, who introduces us to the movie. No Holds Barred, yes. It was released on June 2nd, 1989, and in its opening weekend, it was number two in the box office behind Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Jesus. Um, it grossed 16.09 million, right? Now, known, there's no known budget, but in Hulk Hogan's autobiography, he said the budget was 8 million which means that it was literally any other number that's ever existed. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yeah. But that sounds like, okay, 8 million, it made 16.09, so, you know, it made an 8 million profit. But all the jokes and all the things Vince McMahon has said since has made it seem like they haven't made, like they've made a loss on it. So I don't know if maybe the 8 million was solely the movie and then trying to do other stuff like, you know, Probably paying Zeus and doing all sorts of that. <laughs> yeah, so we don't know what it was. The director is Thomas J. Wright, who before it directed, directed a few episodes of the 80s revival of The Twilight Zone. And then after this, he went on to direct and produce uh, episodes of The X-Files, Firefly, CSI, Smallville, NCIS, Bones, One Tree Hill, Supernatural. So known TV shows. He yeah, definitely. Yeah, episodes, I'm yeah. actually quite surprised to hear that. Yeah, names. Yeah. yeah. It was written by Dennis Hacken, who doesn't have a Wikipedia page, so that Probably, tell you yeah, everything. Probably, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't, doesn't deserve to ever write a film again. Uh, produced by Michael Rackmill with Vince McMahon and Hulk Hogan getting the executive producer credits. Yeah, but like that can be given for yeah, it can be given anything. anything. Um, <laughs> so the cast is Hulk Hogan as Rip Thomas, Joan Severance as Samantha Moore, Kurt Fuller as Braille, Tiny Lister as Zeus and Mark Pellegrino as Randy Thomas. There's also Mean Gene Oakland, Jesse the Body Ventura, Howard Finkel and referee Joey Morella all play themselves. Then Stan Hansen plays Bubba, uh, the tobacco chewing hor- horrible prick. Right. Yeah, uh, wrestler Jeep Swenson plays Lugrange Perkins. What a name. <laughs> yeah. And then Swenson would go on to his highest role, which would be Bane in the 1997 piece of shit Batman and Rum. Oh, there you go. And then... Okay. The character that Hulk Hogan wrestles in the very, or sorry, Rip Thomas wrestles in the very first match, Jake Bullet, is played by Bill Eady, who is better known as Demolition Axe. Mm. So there you go. 
he looked in great nick in the film yeah, as opposed to what he yeah. does on pay-per-view it was kind of weird it was as if like all of like you know he kind of all of yeah, the weight that was around his waist went up to his shoulders yeah it was strange <laughs> yeah and he had a, a great name as well Jake Bullet Jake Bullet he looks cool he actually looked better than he did as a demolition yeah. yeah so I'm gonna I'm gonna read the whole plot here because give us a brief synopsis well, well this is long but that's the entire film brief brief in your oh okay in your terms when I, I say brief you say so there's, just a few, there's just a few things here so before I give this um, summary of the film brief summary there's a <laughs> I'll brief you <laughs> Come on, make this brief. Oh, hang on, I still have half a couple. Oh, yeah, well, then, well, I might need this you before need we it. talk about this. Okay. Oh, lovely car. So, Rip Thomas is the WF heavyweight champion, and his appearance on that network television has been a thorn in the side of Brell, who's the head of the struggling rival, the World Television Network. The day after Rip's most recent title match, Brell attempts to bribe the champion into joining his network, but Rip declines the offer, which is something Hulk Hogan would never do. <laughs> <laughs> Brell, Brell sets some goons on Rip, but they are easily fought off. Brell visits the No Count Bar, where he comes up with his own wrestling program called Battle of the Tough Guys. The show is successful due to the introduction of Zeus, an ex-convict and former protege of Rip's trainer, Charlie. Zeus wins the $100,000 tournament and becomes Brell's prized fighter. Samantha, a beautiful corporate spy, is sent, <laughs> <laughs> M. Moore. is sent by Brell to seduce Rip. However... Rip's good nature and dedication to charity, again, not Hulk Hogan, uh, wins her over and she confesses her identity to him and turns to his side. Brell and Zeus then crash an outdoor charity event Rip is appearing at, challenging Rip to prove his honour by fighting Zeus live on Brell's new show. Rip does not respond and Brell declares Rip a coward and Zeus the undisputed champion of the world. Afterwards, Brell attempts to have Samantha raped. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if he just attempted. Yeah. I think there was actual rape going oh, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hogan yeah, interrupts. Yeah. It's not just attempted rape. Rip, rip, on rape. Rip foils the plot and dispatches the rapist. Rip's younger dispatches him. Dispatches him. Yes. Rip's younger brother Randy Into and his friend tree. Craig decide to check out Zeus for themselves, attending a fight being held in a warehouse. When Brell finds out Randy is Rip's brother, he has Zeus brutally beat him, sending him to the hospital. Enraged, Rip accepts Zeus's challenge to avenge his brother. On the night of the fight, Brell has Samantha kidnapped and orders Rip to take a dive after 10 minutes with Zeus or Samantha will be beaten like Randy. Samantha <laughs> manages to escape, however, with the aid of Charlie and Craig. In the big fight, Zeus has the upper hand at the start of the fight, ruthlessly pummeling Rip. Randy cheers to urge his brother to fight back and Rip is re-energised by Randy's words and once he sees Samantha is safe, gains a second wind and starts to turn the tides on Zeus. They battle up through the stands as a disbelieving Brell watches from the control room. Rip finally puts an end to the match by knocking Zeus off a catwalk, which causes him to fall through the ring and lose the fight. A frustrated Brell begins destroying electrical equipment in total disbelief over Zeus's loss. Rip angrily goes after Brell, intending to repay him for everything he's done, but in fear, Brell retreats, accidentally touches live wires he is exposed in his tirade and dies from being electrocuted. Maintaining Rip's good-hearted nature. Oh yes, of course. With his enemies now vanquished, Rip celebrates his victory with Randy and his friends. There you go. Did you like that? I did. Yeah. I actually referred that to the actual film. Oh, right, thanks. There's just so many places we could start. I don't know what to say. Like, um, Well, I'll start with what I liked, because that's obviously going to be the smaller list of things. I liked the, I liked the, the opening fight and the final fight. I just liked the way they were shot. Like, it wasn't fantastic. It wasn't amazing, but... 
within the context of this film, they were kind of the best scenes cinematically and just kind of the way they were directed. I felt your man who played Brel was probably the best actor in the whole thing. He was the only one who could really act. Uh, I didn't like his catchphrase of jockass, that really annoyed me, but that's obviously not his fault, like that's the script. Uh, but I felt he was the only one who was believable in that he was an evil corporate prick. Like I liked seeing Hogan in colours that weren't red and yellow, that was kind of cool. I liked the black and red, that looked, and then he had the kind of the blue and silver as well, that looked kind of good. Yeah, and I think that's where things I liked ended. <laughs> I actually thought Stan Hansen was good, he'd be good in a comedy film. Or Weird. something like that, like you know what I mean. Compared to how Hulk Hogan as a wrestler acted, he he played a big, horrible buffoon, disgusting arsehole, and it was I thought it was funny, like where the two lads were taking a piss and he came out and looked at their dicks and then started going, "Ah, little words." I was like, that, that was that was genuinely kind of stupid funny, like you know, but toilet humor, like literally. But it was funny. What did I not like? Basically everything else that I didn't say in the first. But Hulk Hogan is a terrible, terrible actor. Mm. Though he did seem to cry legitimately in that coma scene, and I was like, what the fuck? Because tears ran down his face, and I was like, that's weird, because every line he delivered earlier was like a plank of wood flat. Yeah. <laughs> so he obviously only good in crying scenes, maybe, you know what I mean? The, the love interest, she was a bad actress. Bad, bad actress. Uh, she she reminded me of something like being like a, a softcore TV movie <laughs> that you would have seen on TV3 like early 2000s you know like and you'd put it on mute and try and have a wank because you'd, <laughs> you'd see a little bit of Diddy but you not want to hear her voice yeah until yeah it was bad she was a bad bad actress black characters all seemed to be either retarded or just just bad like they had like the black woman who ran the cafe that they were eating in she seemed like a, a bit stupid Zeus obviously is a psychopath and I think there was another black character I can't even remember black characters not that race is a thing but it was just it kind of came up across as just bad. The coach as well I suppose. oh yeah sorry the two people who tried to rob the cafe were also black yeah it was the uh, the dookie scene i let one of you kind of maybe explain <laughs> explain that more it's just yeah and the, the whole entire time brell is committing crime after crime and nobody just goes to the police just go to the police like even in the scene where um rip did, like gets rid of that rapist he lo- so he, ru- he basically runs him over his motorcycle and he has him on the front of the motorcycle, then pumps the brakes and he flies off and hits a tree. But instead of, like, well, obviously it makes sense to go back and make sure Samantha's okay. But like, he definitely didn't get that rapist arrested. No. Or like, try and st- no. ask him, to, did Brel put you up to this or anything? It was just, yeah, grand. When Brel hits her, uh, she doesn't go to her agency who he hired her through and tell him that she, he hit her um, when he's kidnapped, you know. So many crimes. He commits a lot of crimes and it's just... It's just bad. It is. Agreed. They're my kind of o- my opening thoughts. We'll have a bit... We'll chat a bit more in a moment, yeah? So, I did watch this movie as a child more than once. Okay. Uh, but I couldn't really remember it before yeah. I watched it again today. And it is terrible. Mm-hmm. Hogan is terrible. The female lead is terrible. And yet, I still think I enjoyed more parts of it than you. I mean... But, the, yeah, okay, yeah. Like, not that I thought it was good in any way, but I still, I don't know, it's just the nostalgia of it all, the, the outlandish 80s-ness of it, like the things that are meant to be futuristic, which just look like shit. 
<laughs> Zeus's training place that he has where he has his montage. You're not good enough for the worms. <laughs> that, was, that was actually good. I don't know. I just, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually like that, yeah. Uh, I mean, the plot holes were completely ridiculous. Like, as you said, never calling the police. I mean, the poor female lead, she gets the shit beaten out of her, she gets raped, and then she ends up with Hulk Hogan, so like, right, she's fucked. Sh- like. It's Rip Thomas. <laughs> sorry, sorry. It's a completely different character, yeah. even though it's a professional wrestler who's the WWF champion. Yeah. And everything else in the WWF is the same. It's the exact same, man. And it's Hulk Hogan, but it's not Hulk Hogan, because he wears blue. But yeah, no, there were... Like, I found myself laughing out loud a few times, not because it was funny on purpose, just because of how ridiculous it was, but I can't say that I didn't enjoy certain parts of it. I'd say the first 20 minutes, I was like, this is so bad, it's good. And then after that, it just became bad. <laughs> but you know, like, it, it, it had this so bad, it's good thing going for it for a while, and then just all of the bad acting and all the plot holes just became too much um, <laughs> like the two guys robbing a restaurant with guns get stopped by re- like pies being repeatedly thrown at them you have a gun just shoot him actually, he's throwing yeah, a pie at you I actually forgot that now what's the three hours ago yeah and like <laughs> uh, yeah there was a lot of bad points I, my the most confusing part for me, like not the fact that no one went to the police when she got raped and that Brell, I never figured out if that was a first name or a second name. How the hell did Hulk Hogan manage to like Ray Mysterio his way out of that car at the start? Like he, he opens <laughs> the limo and he just walks out. It's like this booyaka booyaka. <laughs> like is there some sort of like ejection seat? Like that he, he launched the doors himself and all the entire time yeah. and the way, and he was just like. <laughs> it looks that was a really good impression. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I was about to get to the, my my thoughts on the script, which for like, it's, I'd say I'd love to see it. I'd say at least fifty percent of Rip's lines and Zeus's lines are grunt, scream, or breathe heavy because that's most of their dialogue. Which not great dialogue for like your lead face of this movie. Um, Hulk Hogan in romantic scenes. Good God, it's it's like it's worse than walking in on your mom and your dad. Like he's just he's horrible. Like he's like oh, with the bit where she thinks he's masturbating and he's actually doing push-ups. Like that that was the worst scene I have ever watched in any movie. I'm pretty sure. Um, but <laughs> you were trying to say this film is good. No, no. <laughs> I still do think it's good, That's but it has a lot of problems. Yeah. But you know, it there's, there's some minor positives to it. You know, yeah. Um, Randy, what what a guy, what a guy. Well, like Rip's parents, they left a serious gap between his younger brother and him because Hogan is probably nearly forty at this stage, and his brother looks about twelve. I'll leave it at that. Uh, yeah, no, like despite the fact that it's obviously objectively it's a terrible film i actually kind of enjoyed it i would like i wouldn't recommend anyone else to watch it but if yeah. you like really shit 80s things and watch it and wrestling yeah okay all right here we go 
I think this film is an unappreciated classic. <laughs> I think it didn't get the attention that it deserves. And I th- no, I'm, obviously I'm only joking. <laughs> I, I, I know I completely agree with everything you guys said, and I'm gonna probably gonna find it difficult to put new stuff to it. But um, I'll try. <laughs> it's uh, it felt like the the entire film was like from from the start to finish was. It was as if, like, let's let's say the Fintech man had a heavy hand in making this film, right? Mm. And I think he, I think he, he did, did yeah. right? From the the boardroom scene when Rip Riley or whatever his fucking name was, like, you know, literally ignoring everything your one was saying and just like leaning around and it's like something that's literally happened in doing. Yeah, that was yeah. the most like that. Like for now, you know, maybe back then it was okay, but me, I actually kind of felt a little bit uncomfortable watching that. I was like, if this was anything, if this was a film made now, he'd be the bad guy. Like you yeah. know, absolutely, he'd be the bad guy. Even the the portrayal of uh, like like the simple people, like you know, there's no way this film would fly nowadays. It would be just fucking absolutely destroyed, yeah, um, by everyone, like you know, by, or at least by the by by most people anyway. But um, I didn't enjoy it. It was a chore to watch, but it was also like you know, it gave a lot of ridiculous moments, um, and I really I kind of appreciated that to a certain extent. Like there's a bit after that the the previously mentioned rape scene, yeah. You know, uh, fucking Rip Riley goes and he not like he chases after your man on the motorbike as if he's one hundred percent sure he's going to catch him eventually. Whereas you know, if that was if you just happened upon someone that you love was being raped, I don't think getting on your motorbike and chasing after him would be the first thing that goes through your heads. But just you know, he you arrived on the motorbike. Yeah, I know. Yeah, but you probably oh, yeah. fucking like. Yeah. You know, he just blew where he goes. Alright. There's plenty of times okay. where he, there's plenty of times where he goes by him as well and he does a Yui. Yeah. He does it twice, like, you know. And then as well as that, at the end of it, you know, he, he does he, as we said earlier on, he dispatches with your man and uh he comes back to her and what he says to her is, I hate when you're hurt. Mm. <laughs> and like not only does that put the focus of what just happened on onto him, him. Yeah. like you know, she's there with her fucking top, top torn open, you know, and she's crying and shaking and all, like, and that's for someone who was admittedly a terrible actress, like you know, yeah. she actually looked like she, she was actually just that, was her, that was her best scene, like. yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Um, but otherwise, you kind of have to take the rest of the film with a little bit of kind of a pinch of pinch of, pinch of salt, yeah, um, and even with that pinch of salt. I thought it was a heap of shite. <laughs> I thought it was really poorly put together, and I know what you're, what you're saying about your man. Um, what was his name again? The Brell. Brell. Brell being the best Actual actor in band, but he's, yeah. I've definitely seen him in plenty. Of oh, he's stuff. in lots. Of yeah, stuff. He's a proper, he's he was a probably the actor. only professional actor in that whole thing. Like, he's pro- yeah, he was probably the only one who did like went to like some sort of drama school. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and even his shit stick was over the top altogether. I, I think, like you know. Some of that may be direction, but also a lot of it might be the woeful dialogue. I would say eighty or ninety percent of it is direction. Eighty or ninety percent of the badness is yeah. the direction, and the rest of it is like everything else about the film. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I don't have too much more to add to what you guys said. Besides, besides what I just said there, it was um, like I said, it was a chore to watch. It was enjoyable in the sense yeah. that it was a fun kind of. 80s nonsense wrestling film and yeah. they got to rip the piss nonsense. out of Hulk Hogan yeah. like you know yeah. that was good yeah. but other than that now as a 
I, I hate it. I hate it so. I hate it so much. I think it's it's as if your man just wanted like he just took everything that everyone else was doing yeah. and put it into one film. Yeah. You know, there was yeah. like you know drama with women. There was boardroom stuff. There was yeah. like glass smashing. Then there was wrestling, which is like you know Vince. There was montages. Montages. Um, the montage was far too short. Yeah, it was and, short. and every time Zeus's training montage was getting going, it was interrupted by the stupid Hulk Hogan helping his brother. Helping his brother. Rehab. Like, like, what, why isn't he training? Why isn't he training? But maybe that's what, gonna, but maybe they're trying to say he doesn't have time to train. Yeah, so I know. I know what they're trying to say, but no, like but the yeah, music I'll, I'll, in I'll, Zeus's no. one is kicking off. And then it, wasn't, it wasn't long enough at no, all. No. Like they built, they built that whole Zeus studio when he went and smashed it up. But we, you know, it was just that felt like something out of a Little Weapon film. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Really, yeah, good call. Yeah, it, so it, there's it definitely like, hints of Little Weapon, hints of Robocop, absolutely stinking. Of fucking Bloodsport and Rocky Four, yeah, as well, yeah, definitely. Because yeah, yeah, in Bloodsport, it's either his brother. I think it's his brother gets the shit kicked out of him, and he goes and fights your man, the, the main lad of Bloodsport. Yeah. I was like, that's literally this. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I think your man who played Brell was played a similar character in Wayne's World, which is where yeah, we're that's probably where we know him from. Yeah, yeah, like producer yeah, but like. Hulk Hogan, in his autobiography, claimed that himself and Vince McMahon went into a room and pretty much came up with the entire script for this film in 48 hours, and then writers just, you know, they made it polished a, it off. Made it, like, um, script-worthy. Yeah. Right. Uh, sorry, I don't, think that, I don't think anything from that film was script-worthy. No, exactly. What I was going to say was, what did they spend the other, like... 47 hours doing because they obviously came up with that piece of shit in an hour. An hour. Yeah. And then what did the writer <laughs> do to polish it? Assuming this writer came in and yeah. whatever was meant, he has nothing else in his Wikipedia because he did nothing else. Like, he obviously had no ideas whatsoever. Like, his idea for a television network name was World, World television, television Network. Network. And his idea for a competition for people fighting was. What like tough battle guys? Of, battle of, battle of, of the tough guys. Because he, he tried to deliver battle of the tough guys as serious as possible, like as if it was called murder one or something. Do you know? What I mean? He was like battle of the tough guy. It was like oh, I like the way it was. It was a hundred grand tax free though. Oh, yeah, tax yes. free. <laughs> Fighting in an octagon shaped arena. That was a bit yeah. ahead of its time. Uh, what about? Fighters from all different backgrounds being put into a TV show to fight in an octagon where they could win a hundred grand, yeah. like some sort of ultimate fighter. Yeah, they should have called it that. I did kind of like the. Can't believe, can't believe Dana Roy we just ripped off No Holds Barred. What a bastard! <laughs> Sorry. And what was the story with his growling? I just went to uh, a sound effects archive and said, "Get me like a uh, get me like a Rottweiler growling or something." It didn't sound like a human growling. It literally sounded like, <laughs> like a dog growling. And also his laugh—it sounded like the stereotypical no Hogan's laugh like, sounded like the stereotypical villain evil laugh. Yeah, but he was yeah. laughing at his own jokes, like ha 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 ha. So weird. He's a bad actor. Oh, he's terrible. Oh, that scene, that scene, that scene in the bedroom where they were like trying to. I was, I was a bit more sub- shocked at the mas- the like fake masturbation scene than anything. Same. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah. like, wow. Is it? Are they actually it, doing this? Yeah. Like, I know he's not going to be masturbating. No, but what's not, he going to be like, doing? Like, like, he's gonna, I knew he was going to be like squatting or doing push-ups. Or and then what was the story with the little fucking scene they put after that? Like the, the angle they switched feet. it. Was it his feet? Was yeah. it like his two boiled eggs? But I had to like, I had to like think about it. I was like, what was that? Were they trying to make it like it was his ass cheeks, but it was actually. But 
Or was it meant to be like a head? I thought it was like the I thought it was like testicles. Top I don't know. Yeah. Or something. I like yeah. It was meant balls. to be not the sole of his feet doing the push ups, but it was like. But like this film is obviously directed at Hulkamaniacs who are children. Yeah, yeah, because like obviously like the really simple plot and bad acting and stupid jokes—it's it's all—it's aimed at kids, yeah, except for like the rape scenes and yeah. the weird they masturbation. Don't, they don't explicitly say she doesn't go. Oh, I thought you were wanking, or like, <laughs> oh my god, I can't, be- I can't believe he forced you to have sex with him or rape. They don't say yeah. the words, but, but it's. I think it's aimed employed. towards kids. And or thirteen-year-old boys, maybe very, very juvenile adults. Yeah, yeah, maybe you know, like very the, the kind of juvenile adults who would still go to the front row of a like you know WWF show in the eighties and oh, yeah, fucking yeah, have yeah, like on. you know believe in it and fucking go nah. absolutely nuts and Poor so child. overall, are we saying it's crap or are we here? Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot you could say about that. Like you know, there's a lot you could say about a lot of this film. Like it's um, there's a lot of bad. Stuff. I I do think it's quite encapsulated by the fact that you could say that it's written by Vince McMahon for wrestling fans at that time. Yeah, yeah, I think that says a lot. Did you like Hogan talking French? We oui, yes, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't like it at all. Actually, I thought oh, it was I nonsense. I wonder how many takes that took. <laughs> His pronunciation was still shocking. Je, je ne sais quoi. No, I don't know. What did he say? Can you remember? Uh, no, you but were saying, uh, no. Like, yes, please. Can I? I was watching something the other night, and oh, I was watching the new the new season of Archer, right? Okay. And uh, in the new season of Archer, when the character speaks French, okay, right, and you know it's subtitled and stuff, but I was listening to it. And this is from like fucking secondary school French, like yeah. you know, and I managed to derive like a basic kind of understanding, understanding of yeah. it. Oh. I didn't get it. Didn't get anything Hogan from said. what Hogan was saying. It it's was because great. he pronounced it as a Californian white man. Who's never He's seen never French written fan. down before no, and just read it phonetically? France is probably probably walking a house show in Montreal. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> do you know? <laughs> like it was that's ridiculous. bang on. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Like, yeah. So, so yeah, shit film. Shit film. Just great to see No Holds Barred, the great movie smash from this summer past, starring Hulk Hogan as we certainly have never seen him before. Yeah, yeah. Oh yes. So after the movie is done, we go back to Mean Gene, who puts it over again. I think Mean Gene and Jesse should have had a bigger part in the film. Yeah. I know afterwards it wasn't WWF anymore, all the rest of the fights were in the other thing, but... No, no, I agree. So then we go down to Sean Mooney, excuse me, who's in the steel cage uh, trying to put over how dangerous it is. Talk about poetic. He really pushed the envelope there, I think. He was... uh talking absolute nonsense oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be okay with that if it was a look maybe they did it to try and work the home crowd but because it was a pre-taped show that was an unnecessary segment yeah I think Tony Giovanni put did it yeah. enough of a job enough of a job like, but why even put that like those three minutes in if it's a pre-taped thing like I understand if it's like okay we're running we need to keep we need five minutes of bullshit yeah, yeah, to yeah. you don't need that It's if it's all like they literally had no there was no live footage on that yeah. whatsoever, so... It, Maybe because the film is only a certain amount of time, they didn't they want the pay-per-view to last for, yeah. like, very short. Suppose, yeah, that might be true. The match itself was filmed on December 12th from the Nashville Municipal Auditorium in Nashville, Tennessee. So we get then get a video package covering the Hogan versus Zeus field, which mm. I thought was decent. Mm. Him Not showing bad. up at Saturday night's main event to attack Hogan. Then him teaming with Randy Savage in a losing effort against Hogan Beefcake at SummerSlam 89. 
then um, him and Hogan being in the same match as Survivor Series where he was disqualified for choking out Hogan and then the Macho King and Zeus attacking Beefcake and Hogan backstage at Survivor Series afterwards mm-hmm. so it's a nice yeah no it was a good it was a good package yeah. so then we get Tony Schiavone interviewing uh, Zeus Savage and Sherry it's as batshit insane as you'd expect it to be all the preparation is over the time is now it's no holds barred in a steel game the destruction of Hulkamania yeah it's gonna happen now yeah inside a steel cage with no holes barred and out of control because we don't have no rules yeah and Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Hulk Hogan you reap what you sow yeah and the Macho King says man it's out of control the human wrecking machine Zeus is gonna take care of Hulk Hogan yeah Hulk Hogan this time, this is my house. No referee allowed inside. I am gonna kill you. Ooh, yeah. And the queen of the World Wrestling Federation, outside the cage, you were a witness, yeah, to the destruction of Hulkamania. How does that make you feel? Hulk Hogan, your time has come. Your destination, the destruction of Hulkamania. The destruction of Beefcake. You will bow. You will bow at the feet of the Macho King in... Yeah, you bow, Hulk Hogan and Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Seconds away, yeah. Is she sorry, sorry trying to be Macho Man? Yeah, bad. Badly, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, after that, we have Sean Mooney interviewing Hulk Hogan and Brutus Beefcake. Beefcake is bad, isn't he? I feel Beefcake is trying to be Hogan. Yeah, I'm actually... Yes, brother Hogan. And we're going, and it's just like, you, you don't have the right... Like, for everything we say about Hogan, he can... Even though it's so, a lot of it's BS, he can he can roll... He can keep talking and talking and talking and talking. And, you know what I mean? It was yeah, just, he, he has the cadence that does, Beefcake yeah. does not have yeah, it at all. He doesn't have it at I'm all. I'm actually shocked Beefcake was not in the movie somewhere. Like, I can't yeah. believe he didn't oh, work his way in there. for a sec and agree that it's better than Santa with muscles? Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> yes, it's more coherent anyway. Oh God, like. yeah. Anyway, so before this match, there were six dark matches. We had uh, Dusty Rhodes defeating the Big Boss Man. The Ultimate Warrior successfully defending the Intercontinental title against Dino Bravo. Uh, the Colossal Connection, who are Haku and Andre the Giant, defeated the World Tag Team Champions Demolition by Countout. Uh, so the titles don't change hands, obviously. We had Mr. Perfect defeating Rugged Ronnie Garvin, Earthquake defeating a local jobber, and Coco Beware defeating Mike Sharp. So our commentators are Jesse Ventura and Vince McMahon. Yeah. So that's this is his first the first time we've heard him. Doesn't say oh what a manoeuvre, but that's because there's not many manoeuvres. <laughs> so we'll get into the match, yeah? Mm-hmm. So the heels get enforced, but as the faces are entering, Sherry slams the door into Holden, <laughs> knocking him off the steps. Sorry, Graham. Yes. I've got to interrupt you just for two seconds. Okay, I just gotta, no, I just gotta no. make a noise. You hear me, noise? Beautiful. Alright. A solid interjection. So yeah, Sherry slams the door to Hogan, knocking him off the steps and leaving Beefcake alone in the cage with his two opponents. Zeus beats up Beefcake while Savage reaches through the cage and chokes Hogan. With the ref distracted by this, Sherry then locks the cage door closed with a chain. Hogan quickly recovers and scales the cage to loud pops, 
Ram Zeus face first into the cage and Beefcake then back body drops Savage into the cage too. Hogan gives both opponents the big boot and Beefcake dishes out an atomic drop. Zeus recovers and rams both Hogan and Beefcake into the cage. While Zeus is beating up Hogan, Savage tries to escape over the top but Beefcake gives chase. Sherry climbs up to help Savage but Beefcake gives them the double knocker knocker on the top of the cage. Double knocker knocker. That's, that's what they call it, like, you know, what up? Yeah, well, what else would you call it? Like? Of course. Uh, he then slaps a sleeper on Zeus, but Savage quickly makes the save, and the heels dish out punishment and repeatedly ram both men into the steel cage. They start to climb out, but Hogan stops Zeus with a big back suplex, while Beefcake stops Savage, and they ram each other into the cage at the same time, resulting in all four men being down. The ref takes the chain off the door, but is then knocked out by the door when Sherry slams it into him. She gives the chain to Savage, who wraps it around his fist and dives off the top of the cage towards Beefcake, but the barber cuts him off on the way down. While Beefcake and Savage race up one side of the cage, Hogan starts hulking up and no-selling Zeus's offense. Beefcake knocks Savage off the cage and escapes just as Savage had managed to cross the cage door. Beefcake drags Savage, who's been busted open, out of the cage, and Beefcake tries to get back in, but Hogan stops him, saying he wants Zeus one-on-one. Hogan ping-pongs Zeus back and forth, face-forced into the cage walls, Body slams him in the centre of the ring and drops three leg drops, pinning him and winning the match in 9 minutes 27 seconds. I thought it was probably the the worst cage match I've ever seen yeah. by a far, a far stretch. I thought it was very unimaginative, even for a cage match with four big lads. You know, these guys, you've got Macho Man in there, you've got Brutus the Barber Beefcake, who we've all seen have decent matches decent enough matches like you know not spectacular but better than this better than this um, Hulk Hogan who you know as much stick as we give him he knows how to yeah. run a match you know what I mean yeah. and then you have Zeus as well like you know who's just but Zeus can be forgiven for being he's an actor Yeah, you know what I mean actor. he's an actor yeah, yeah. Um, but no I uh, I thought that the the sum of the parts of this match was much less than the the whole, you know what I mean? Yeah. If that makes sense. No, I get what you're um, It was a, basically a kind of clobber fest. Forearms going left and right yeah. on the, onto the trapezius area, <laughs> as they've said numerous times. Yeah. I think the best part about the whole thing was Vince McMahon's commentary, if I'm being perfectly honest, because it was probably the first time that we've actually like, yeah. listened to him properly. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, and it was actually kind of yeah, it was it was fun it was to hear that. Like, yeah, yeah, it was definitely. Yeah, 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 definitely. He's not, he doesn't make as much stupid. Uh, statements as Gorilla but maybe we only seen him commentate one match yeah and he give, him, give him his so he did that up in Greenwich up in the office and if he makes a mistake he can go I didn't yeah, like that yeah, and yeah. it out whereas if it's live so yeah but, but he, he got you know he kind of I think he was quite good at getting the, the ball rolling and people into yeah. it and stuff in terms of commentary like you know I think obviously that takes into account what you just said as well around kind of he's up in Greenwich fucking yeah. you know kind of yeah, yeah doing whatever he wants but um, yeah like not a great match. I wouldn't go back and watch it again. I wouldn't recommend anyone to watch it. If this was on a pay-per-view, a whole card of a pay-per-view, do you think you'd feel different about it? Not as like a match, obviously it's going to be the same rules, but do you think as part of a card, you wouldn't have been, not liked it as much? Do you think like, are you kind of viewing it as the hot, like if you'd paid for that pay-per-view, that shit movie followed by that match, you'd be like, fuming. <laughs> Or do you think if that had like six or seven other matches, that might be decent? Like I, be- I um, didn't even pay to watch the film or to watch this. Yeah, and I'm and still feeling okay. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you wasted, <laughs> an, <laughs> you wasted an hour and a half of your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, 
overall, I think between the film and the match, mm. I definitely enjoyed the match more. Mm. Like by by a by a good <laughs> yeah. stretch, you know, and even the build up to it and everything like that. I thought like even the promos afterwards. They were more enjoy. I didn't watch them all. Now I didn't fucking slog no, I didn't. The entire I, I, thing. I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch any of them. But I watched a couple of them. I watched, I watched, Hogan's, I watched Hogan's post-match promo. Yeah, yeah, that's all I watched. Um, yeah, but overall, I thought it was absolute nonsense. I thought it was an absolute <laughs> fucking joke of a match, yeah. and it shouldn't have been done. Shouldn't have been okay. done, ever done. Um, <laughs> I'm going to somewhat disagree with you. I think my feelings toward this match are similar to Derm's feelings towards No Holds Barred, the movie, not the match. <laughs> Just in case there was any uh, mix up there, uh, I like I know it was a clusterfuck of clusterfucks, mm. but I was entertained. It wasn't good, but I was entertained. I found I could understand why the crowd popped for things. I can understand they popped. They popped. They like, popped. Um, when you were saying the summer part, I can understand. Like for example, at the start there, I really enjoyed the idea of Sherry's after knocking Hogan out and Savage is choking him or whatever blah 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 but what I think the problem was is Hogan just went straight in then if Hogan had been like choked unconscious or yes. something and then Beefcake took a, a beating for like three minutes yeah, if you, and then yeah. Hogan slowly got to his feet and tried to climb tried the door and it was locked and he had to oh, you know, like he climbed the ladder really slowly, but he just went straight he up. He didn't in. even do that. Yeah, no. exactly. Yeah. He just literally, like, he was being fucking strangled. Sorry for cutting across. No, and then literally, the minute Savage let go of him, he, he was fucking turning around, yeah. him in the head, and fucking scaling the yeah. fucking cage. So, what you're saying is, saying is if Hogan had sold offense, it would have been better. <laughs> Basically, no. yeah. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, you better believe it. So, uh, no, I was just saying I disagreed with some of because Dave, you said some of the ideas weren't kind of imaginative. But maybe yeah. that's not imaginative. Maybe I just, that's normal wrestling, but Hogan just won't go down that route. But I thought what the, the idea they were doing where Beefcake was isolated and Hogan was yeah. stuck in the outside was good, except he just fucking legged it up the cage <laughs> and came in and started, you know what I mean? I liked the noggin knocker spot. I thought that was cool. <laughs> Sherry, is a, Sherry is a woman who's willing to take a bump and I like that. I know she didn't fucking take a bump off the cage, but she's willing to fucking herself out there and mm. take a like take a beating like and I think that's cool. Randy Savage is also obviously the best performer of the four people. Definitely leaping off that with the fucking axe handle attempt and all that lark. You know what I mean? Like, fucking cool. That was a nice spot. Yeah, it was a it was a it was it was a lumpy mashed potato of a match. Yeah, yeah. But I enjoyed some part. I didn't hate it. Like I wouldn't. I'd say if you. I'd say if those other six matches were broadcast. Excluding that jobber match, I'd say it wouldn't have got worse match than the night for me. I'd say that's probably like. Dusty boss man. Probably actually, maybe sorry, Darren. Probably Warrior Dino as well could be bad. What was the last match on the card before this? Oh, that was pretty bad as well. Yeah, Coco Beware versus Orin Mike Sharp. Yeah. I think you'll find that, that, that was. Are you sure you didn't read the card in reverse order? Like that can't have been the semi-main event. Oh no. This wasn't the main event of the card. Wait, you hear what I have to say afterwards? Can you tell me what you thought about this match? Well, I'm a lot more closely aligned to Dave's okay. uh, point of view than yours. I thought this match was... This is what the show's about, man. Absolute shite. I don't know, like, there was... I feel like it could have been better, and I know they've already done a normal tag match, but I think the tornado tag inside the cage just didn't suit any of the workers in it. It was just, like stuff happening non-stop without any good action ever taking place it was just a load of 
forearms to the back and punches to the head and you couldn't follow the action but there was no actual good action to follow anyway so you weren't missing out on anything but like nothing happened like Hogan tried to do the slam spot that he did with Andre where he falls backwards yeah. and I'd say it wasn't even that's recognized no was that was like over, yeah. the most dramatic spot in the match other than Savage going to the top of the cage and doing a double axe handle off the top of the cage and missing which if you're gonna go to the top of the cage and I know it's 1989 it's still kind of a shit yeah. spot to do off the top of the cage like yeah. at least do like that's, that's hit the double axe handle like yeah I don't know I, I, I we got busted actually yeah, I didn't see what happened there, but uh, no, I just there was nothing in this match that I could latch onto and get invested in. It was just yeah, kind of action that wasn't really that entertaining, constantly happening, and didn't seem to be any real psychology to it, other than when it got down to Hogan and Zeus, and even then, it was just the typical Hogan psychology yeah. where he's been beaten up for ages, and then he just comes back and makes his miraculous comeback. In the exact same manner that he did in the film where he's been beaten down for ages and then he just comes back and three leg drops. I did like the fact that they it needed three leg drops to yeah, defeat that cool. Zeus. That, that was, was good. Cool. But at the same time, if you're never going to use Zeus again, ever, yeah. why are you putting him over that he needs three leg drops rather than someone who's actually on your roster? See, see I, I, know, I don't know the background. I don't know because I remember you t- said... In our last WF episode, I think maybe Survivor Series or maybe before, you'd said um, the original idea was a one-on-one. Yeah. And I don't know if it was Zeus or the WF who backed out of that. Maybe they just thought he wasn't up to it, but I still think the money would have been in Hogan Zeus one-on-one rather than a tag team. Yeah, yeah. regardless of the quality of the match. Well, I don't know if it would draw Mega Bucks if they had Zeus job to him twice. Yeah, no, but if they had gone to that rather than this cage match, if they just had one-on-one, like. I don't think match quality was as big a deal in 1989. Sorry. What about that quality? Was that a big deal? That was quality. Let me counter that one. Nice. Nice. No, but like, I feel as though that would have, it might not have been a better match, but it would have been a bigger draw and at least you were building to yeah. a definitive conclusion in I this field. That's part of our reviews here. I know we generally go on in-ring and bollocks like that. Bollocks like that. <laughs> I think it's good to like look at what's a good draw and what's a good storyline as well. Like this isn't just, like if we were just looking at in-ring we just review a lot of Japanese yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, at, yeah. At, yeah. and at the end of the day no matter how shit I thought the match was the crowd was reacting they were, big they were throughout. Into it. They so were so into it. Yeah. You can't criticize it that much because the entire idea of pro wrestling is to get the crowd invested and they did that but watching it nearly 30 years later it did not no it it didn't hold my attention whatsoever and it didn't Um, keep me entertained okay that's 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 fair enough so i said right so those six matches dusty versus boss man warrior defend the intercontinental toilet versus dino bravo Colossal Connection versus Demolition, Mr. Perfect versus Ronnie Garvin. They're all like kind of B level pay per view yeah. matches. Colossal Connection versus Demolition is probably an A level pay per view match. Right, followed by this crowd popped peak, yeah. And then after this, they had 17 squash matches in a row. No, they didn't. 17. For what, like superstars taping? Well, the whole thing was like a wrestling challenge taping, right? No, so we had Earthquake versus Jobber and Coco. Uh, much sharp is a job, but he was a career job. Yeah. Right? 
So they're around take them. Seventeen. How long was this show? Six hours. Now each of the 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 longest one was like four minutes. So matches ranging from like a minute to four minutes. Seventeen of them. It was all stars versus a no name, or like it was a tag team. So it was like Warrior versus someone. I think Beefcake had another match. He didn't beat a jobber in like three minutes. That was just for filming, though, was it? Just for just for like you know future episodes. Yeah, yeah. in the future, like. I'd love to see how the crowd were reacting on the 17th fucking match. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do, you know do, you, do you have who the 17th the match was? Like, who can still get a pop at that stage? Now? So match number 17 was Mr. Perfect defeating <laughs> a jobber. And Mr. Perfect's a good wrestler. But if you want to keep people around for 17 more matches, you're going to have to promise them that, oh, stick around, guys, and someone deadly will be out. No, 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 Mr. Perfect is deadly, but he's a heel. Yeah. First off, yeah. But also, you want a good match as well. But you want something you can get. Yeah. Best, like, so, literally, after, after the cage match, they brought Warrior out to defeat a jobber. Yeah. Wow. So, uh, two heels over the last two matches. Two heels. That's great booking. Fantastic. I'd say the reactions from the crowd were very so poor. Yeah. Um, that's no holds barred the match, the movie, which they also broadcast in the opposite order the movie the match is the way they did it <laughs> it was not worth a penny definitely not I, I, if I had paid for that back in the day I would have been pissed off yeah I would have not been a happy camper so it did a 1.6 so the closest I can see to that is a WCW pay-per-view two months after it did a 1.6 as well which is 240,000 boys and the previous WWF pay-per-view SummerSlam did 625,000 it's a very strange way to put out a movie, like to put it on pay per view in 1989. Probably to, well, like obviously home video wasn't, it was big, but like VCRs were expensive. Like VCRs are probably like, you know, 400, what would be the equivalent of 400, 500 now? They're not like in every home. I would say pay per views were popular enough back then. Yeah, they probably released a, a lot of stuff on pay per views, I'd say, because it, it was a kind of burgeoning How else uh, structure, like, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what else we're going to went on pay-per-view besides sports now, but it was a good way to kind of get straight into the home. Sky Box Office used to do that up until at least the early 2000s. Yeah, true. Do you know what I mean? Before they could actually broadcast it on Sky Movies, you could, you could buy rent it, it yeah. on Sky Box Office. So what this brings in is the end of the 80s. Mm-hmm. We started at WrestleMania 1 in March of 85. We finished with this, but also Starcade 89 in... December of 89 we've so we watched 21 shows 184 matches we've reviewed <laughs> it's a lot of shit yeah a lot uh, of shit yeah this is who had the most matches oh sorry so in fourth place Sting Ricky the Dragon Sting about the Heart Foundation all had 10 matches nice they were all great in joint, yep. in joint third place Ric Flair and Lex Luger had 11 matches okay in second place Hulk Hogan had 13 matches and in fourth place Randy Savage had 17 matches. Wow. Oh, so he worked two wrestling. tournaments. Yeah, yeah. But doesn't matter, he had 17 pay per view matches. Yeah, yeah. So the most matches of the night. In joint fifth place, Haku, Tully Blanchard, and Demolition. Oh, in fourth go. place was Sting. Third, joint third, sorry, was Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Aaron Anderson, and Brett the Hitman Hart. Enjoying second place. Now, there's a bit of surprise here. Wait, what's this for? 
most matches of the night. Oh, most matches. Sorry, sorry. Uh, is the British Bulldogs and the Fabulous Rougeaus. Well, oh, wow. Just like the place. Yeah. Because of all those Survivor Series yeah, matches. Okay. And they had some, we did some six-man tags as yeah. well. They were in. And joint matches, joint most matches of the night is the Nature Boy Ric Flair. And in a nice turn of events, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Well, that's uh, nice, isn't it? That's nice. It's very isn't nice. It? Yeah. Because um, he had a match separate to Brett, and it got, all three of us gave a match of the night on the pay per view it was on. Fantastic. Yeah. So that's and nice. You can't really argue, Ric Flair. No. no. Now, there's a few weird things in most in worst matches of the night. This is a strange one. So, I only did four because the amount of people who had fifth. Now, strange enough, when I counted everybody, every individual who got a match of the night and every individual who got a worst match of the night, it was the exact same number. Which was strange, mm. and a few pe- a few a handful of people got both. both. In fact, someone here got both. So uh, fourth, war- most worst match of the night: Bad News Brown, Barry Windham, Dino Bravo, Dusty Rhodes, and Demolition. Well, who got wow. fifth most best matches? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but in those worst matches of the night, it was where they were teaming or against Hulk. Uh, Jim Duggan or Andre so that makes sense oh yes um, yeah. third most worst matches of the night is Jake the Snake Roberts what yeah he had an absolute stinker, stinker. with Rick Rude at Wrestlemania 4 and then he had a stinker with Andre the Giant at Wrestlemania 5 yeah. and then probably a couple of others he might have been involved in number two most worst matches of the night Russian Assassin number one <laughs> <laughs> he deserved it and the prick the most worst matches of the night was Andre the Giant. Yeah. yeah. Which is kind of bad because he's... Well, like, you know, it's factual. It's factual. Yeah. A couple, of, a couple of strange names turned up in worst matches of the night. Rick Rude had a couple. Yeah, he's a very... Like, I, I, I would always have a very positive opinion. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Bobby Eaton was in a couple. Beautiful Bobby what? Eaton. Yeah. It's because he had a shit singles match on Bunkhouse Stampede. Yeah. Fucking Bunkhouse Stampede is oh, still haunting. I'm seeing yeah. that Skywalker match as well. Yeah, yeah and that, that, that I think, counts I against think Dave and maybe you gave it worse match yeah. than that as well. So very valid reasons, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's, that's not matches. his fault. Bad bad was just, yeah. The single match was bad. It was a 20-minute yeah. time limit draw, and they walked oh, the arm yeah. for 19 of those minutes. Or oh, something. I remember so, that. Yeah, I wish I didn't, but I do. Yeah. Good stuff. Oh, JYD and Jim Duggan also both got matches of the night, multiple matches of the night. But they did not. They did, yeah. But not in worst match of the night. They got multiple in them as well. But, but they weren't in the top. top. No, no. That's surprising, though. JYD. I don't think JYD got any worst match of the night. Oh, we did, but I don't know. Oh, Surely he Dave gave him worst match of the night. I must have at some stage. No, you actually gave him best match of the night. Lies. Lies. WrestleMania 2. He teamed with Tito Santana against Terry and Dory Funk Jr. You gave that your match of the night. Oh, God. It was a good match. It was a good <laughs> yeah, match. Yeah, yeah. You know I mean? But I think you that shows, I think that, shows that uh, JYD declined in talent. Like, yeah, he put yeah, on weight. Was he wasn't, you know what I mean? He Bad. I'm sure there was a reason why he was so over yeah. territorially yeah, before he got there. It was in the 70s and early yeah. Anyway, the 80s. When we saw him. What are your thoughts on the 80s? Like, who was your like, favourite wrestler? Who did you hate the most? Probably Jim Duggan or JYD. But you know what I mean? Anything surprise you about what we've watched and kind of just that sort of shit? Yeah, uh, I suppose, like, obviously, I have in my head my opinions from when I was a kid uh, watching this stuff, and then you're re-watching it through adult eyes, and sometimes your opinions 
are kind of like how did I like this as a kid and sometimes you're like oh yeah this was deadly I'm glad I like this and I'd say the thing that I was most like yeah this was fucking deadly I was totally right was Legion of Doom because I fucking Mm. loved them as a kid and I went back and rewatched them they're the fucking coolest guys I've ever seen despite wanting to rape (laughs) Ric Flair like no, he, no, no, but more so because they wanted to rape. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, just. But the only ones to rape because he was a bad boy, not because they're rapists. A, they weren't soft. They hadn't yeah, gone they weren't soft. soft. Not no, at all. No. It's ju- justifiable. Yeah. 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 No, like just, especially in NWA, like they were cool in WWF, but in NWA they were like just off the chart badasses. Some of the stuff they came out with, like the drop kicks and the. Obviously, shoulder the slingshots, blocks. shoulder blocks. Like, I don't remember them doing that because I think I kind of remember them from the early nineties, but more so, I'm remembering what they were like in the Attitude Era. Yeah, in my that head. was like probably their worst. Yeah, run. yeah. And then going back and actually seeing what they're like, I was like, holy shit, these lads were unreal mm. and so cool. I think obviously, when you listen to enough other people talking about wrestling, you've always heard Ric Flair is the greatest of all time but I never really appreciated it because again my memories of Ric Flair were from late 90s early 2000s and going back and seeing him in the late 80s I can now appreciate why everyone says he was the greatest of all time because he was fucking unreal like he's so cool (laughs) he's so good I suppose things that surprised me were just how bad without trying to be mean to him how bad Andre was at this stage like because I suppose as a child you're just like this guy's a giant he can kill anyone but when you actually look at what he was able to do at this stage like he was so limited and it's just sad watching it but overall like I think watching it the thing that upsets me most is that tag team wrestling has just been lost through time like it Except in NXT, I'd say. NXT tag division has probably been my favourite thing in wrestling in the last few years. But main roster, WWF, and in any other wrestling organisation I can think of, like tag team wrestling has yeah. kind of lost that. Even in the, even in the, even in the like, New Japan. Yeah, no, New, there's no, no. There's nothing. There's no. like, New Japan just books too many like triple threats and fatal four ways. Which, yeah, 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 yeah. And... I don't know, there's nothing that's ever going to get back. Well, I hope well, it will. But the Revival are like, they yeah, are their name. They were in yeah, NXT, they were and then they come up to the main roster, and now they're absolute like, dog fodder, forgotten about. But yeah, that, that just that tag division in WWF in the late 80s and the tag division in NWA, like it's just tag team wrestling at its absolute best. And... I think that's the thing I've enjoyed most about watching wrestling from the 80s is the tag work. So I think the the best thing that watching wrestling from the 80s has provided for me is context. Whereas, like, you know, growing up, hearing all these names and trying to figure out who all these people were, going back and actually learning who, the, who these people actually are was... It was fantastic. Like, you know, it was absolutely brilliant. You know, you got Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Oh, some fantastic some bloke. what a bloke <laughs> Randy Savage yeah mm. some fucking unreal matches 
even like you know to a lesser extent of course big boss man and akeem like you know the twin towers like you know demolition axe and smash yeah fantastic. Like, you know the road warriors of course like no no yeah. I, I i say that with a pinch of salt because the road warriors are definitely in their own like yeah. even with regards to today's style of wrestling the two of them would still be in their own kind of they're superheroes aren't yeah they? absolutely and, and there's no way. there's no other way of getting around it no. like you know what i mean like, who can who can even say enough about Ric Flair? No one can say enough about no, Ric Flair because he is probably the most entertaining wrestler you're ever going to watch, mm-hmm. ever. And that's purely based on in-ring work. Like, yeah, without even getting to the interviews. Like, without yeah. even getting to the interviews. Like, we, the three of us, have watched him, and we, we've been like, oh, mm. like this guy is fucking unreal. Like, you know what I mean? I think that's important to say as well because, like, but the thing is, no matter how much someone tells you that. Unless you actually go Experience and watch it, it yourself. You, you're not yeah, going no, to understand course. it. Like. Definitely, definitely. But I think the what what what's given me the most is I've always like I I got in like I know I got into wrestling a bit later than you guys. I was around the Attitude Era when I really got into it. But and I had like I had a little bit of knowledge around what was going on beforehand. But now, kind of understanding everything that went on yeah. in the eighties has given me so much context for what happened in the nineties and has made it so much more meaningful. You know, and kind of, um, even if it's like arguments between this bad guy and this good guy or whatever else, even like cross promotion stuff, even the likes of Ric Flair going from WWE to WWE to WWE yeah. and all, like, you know, you can see where the source of it all, like the, 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 the root of where all this kind of, all this, this venom came from. And I think that's, I think that's been really, really cool for me. I think it's been absolutely class. Before I give my thought in the eighties, just to touch on what you kind of opened with there, Dev, is the whole thing of context. Because wrestling has this weird. The only thing I can think that's similar to it is comic books. Where you can just drop in and yeah, you can't like we well, can kind of drop in with wrestling. They mention some shit about fucking Jimmy Snooker or something, and then some ten year old will be like, "Who the fuck is Jimmy Snooker?" Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> or they be saying, "Oh, the only other team to do this is the Road Warriors." They'd be like, "Who?" You know what I mean? Like there's. There's history of matches and, you know, like, Shawn, like Shawn Michaels is retired now, right? Yeah, yeah. He retired, what, 2010, 11? Yeah. So a four-year-old when he retired would now be, like, 11-ish. Let's say they got into wrestling last year. They don't know who the fuck Shawn Michaels is. And it's like, and then, you know, they, they have things like Michaels versus Ray's Ramon ladder match. And they're like, what? Yeah, what is this? Like, what is this? Like, and it's great to be, like, it's such a weird kind of thing with re- with wrestling, you know what I mean? But in comic books, they're allowed to come up with mad batshit things to reboot everything. And to retrofit stuff. Or you can't... Re- I mean, there's a lot of retrofitting and retro writing and you gotta, WWE, you, but you can't you gotta do go back and change finishes or go... You know what I mean? It's, it's such a strange kind of... Con- I remember WCW did try the reboot thing. No. no and that Please failed. Don't. They took... We'll, we'll get there eventually when we're like in our mid-40s. But... <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it can't be done, so it's kind of, it is hard for people to, like, you can get in casually, but to kind of get in, you know, to get in as, like, a, I won't say hardcore fan, but a kind of a proper follower, hmm. it's strange. But the 80s, I really enjoyed it. I agree with every word that's been said about Ric Flair, because I would have been in your boat there, where I had a little bit of exposure to him in the early 90s when he was in WWF for a very brief period, but I wouldn't have remembered him properly. And then when he came into WWE in what, 2002, I would have been 15-ish. And 
he had a few matches and I was just being a stubborn fucking teenager yeah. prick I was like he's shy oh he just does the same thing fucking flare flop slam off the top rope blah 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 you know what I mean and he did he did do that yeah it was like dead. everyone's saying he's the best ever, but he's shy, like, you know. What I mean? And he has man tits. Yeah, yeah, and so I was just yeah. thinking like that. I was been a stubborn teenager. Then when I watched this, especially the stuff with Ricky Steamboat, this is fucking wrestling. Yeah. And the thing, the thing that's beautiful about it is, it's very simple. It's like body slams and chops and atomic drops and suplexes and clotheslines and you know what I mean, cross bodies. It's it's like the stuff you'd learn within your first month or two if you were to be top to be a professional wrestler like with a bit of chain you know what I mean it's but they can work that into being some of the most entertaining matches that I've ever recorded in the history of professional wrestling like it's their chemistry is I don't think I've ever seen two wrestlers with chemistry like that ever really Austin and Rock come close yeah definitely but I think a lot of that has to do more so with charisma than the actual in-ring yeah. chemistry but them two fucking hell it's just a like if if you are like if you were like twenty nineteen eighteen in nineteen eighty nine around that kind of region and you could go to those shows, fucking beautiful. Some memories. You know I mean, I'd say I'd say there's still people who still talk about that to their kids, like their grandkids. They're like, oh look at John Cena, and they're like, John Cena, fucking fuck John Cena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Steve <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's. Oh. And the thing is, like. A lot of those matches from the late 80s, like, mm. that are great for their time. You put them yeah. up against matches now and you're like, oh, well, they can't hold up because the spots are the same. You would, you would put that Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat series of matches against anything that you would yeah. see in 2000. It's, it's probably better than any match Titus O'Neill has ever been in. And I'm watching, the, I'm watching it, like, 20-odd years later, and I'm like, this is fucking deadly. Yeah. And I actually care who wins. A fantastic thing to see. My favorite wrestler has probably st- still been Randy Savage. Mm. He was my favorite as a kid in that period. My favorite wrestlers of all time was either him or Austin, and they're for the two periods of my childhood. Him when I was an actual child, child, and then Austin when I was like a angsty fucking teen <laughs> prick. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Perfect timing. Like yeah, perfect. Like, yeah. Who's more angsty than someone called Steve yeah. Austin? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But so, but I'm kind of glad that I was right. Savage to be my favourite wrestler you know what I mean I was like this lad he's also a level above arguably everybody bar maybe Bret Hart in ring wise overall he's better than Bret Hart at that period of time yeah, because Bret Hart's promos and charisma is still lacking and Randy Savage is just he's, he is the total package yeah, he like he's yeah. the 100% speaking of the total package that's probably my biggest surprise of the 80s is how Fucking good he was. Yeah, that's true. Even matches with like fucking not like being carried by Flair. Like this match with Brian Pillman was whopper. Brian Pillman is awesome. Who hurt you, Lex? Who hurt you? What happened? Like, yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It was. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed watching the eighties. The eighties was a so good decade. Ah, so oh, lovely. I mean, I know Sting won that tournament, but will he be the superstar of the nineties? I can only imagine that he will be. Despite the fact that I know that he won't be. We have to understand as well, though, there's going to be like a proliferation of wrestling to watch over the course of the 90s. Mm. Like, it's not going to be... The 90s is very different. Very different. Our next pay-per-view, the first pay-per-view of the 90s, in 1990, is the WWF's Royal Rumble. 30 men, every two minutes. Every two minutes. 
Friend no. versus friend, foe versus foe. Tag partner versus tag partner. You better believe it. Every man for himself. That is the way the Royal Rumble works. Yeah. Both feet must touch the ground, yeah. I believe. The entrance who pulled one and two will start. And then, every two minutes. We'll see how it goes. Thereafter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, the last remaining superstar in the ring. He is wins the Royal Rumble, oh, okay. yeah. He wins it? Yeah, he wins He does it. not win it, does he? he? Uh, apparently. Except, you know, because of being 1990, there's actually no stakes again. So, uh, <laughs> but at least he'll be the Royal Rumble winner, though. He will be. But also, knowing what the following WrestleMania's main event is and stuff, uh, I know that Royal Rumble will have some nice storytelling. So, we'll see you then. We will see you then. Or we'll see, see you one you another time. time. Yeah. Adios. Au revoir. See French? Baron Hogan. Was that with Ari? Rip Thomas? No, you don't. Zeus. The male model. Rick Martel. Rick Martel, sorry, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alright, okay, alright, see you later. Bye bye. Boy! <laughs>